Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. It can be easy to forget that the Bay Area has a long military history. Take the Presidio. It's the oldest military installation in the American West. Alcatraz, it started as a military prison. In Vallejo, we built nuclear submarines on Mare Island. And all along our hilltops, we once had missiles. The Department of Defense lifts the curtain of secrecy on the Army's deadly new guided missile, the Nike. Named for the Greek goddess of victory. One of our Bay Curious listeners had heard about these weapons. My name's Chris Johansson. I live in San Francisco, California. Chris had been by the Nike missile site in the Marin Headlands. It's a museum now. I had done some reading, and it was always my impression that the site had the ability to be equipped with nuclear missiles. But one thing had always eluded him. But I wasn't sure if they ever actually had nuclear missiles in the headlands themselves. The short answer? Oh yeah, there were missiles. And yes, they were armed with nuclear warheads. This episode first aired in June of 2019, but many of us have been doing more exploring outside lately, and folks are wondering about these old military installations. I'm Katrina Schwartz. This is Bay Curious. Today, we're going underground at one of the Bay Area's Nike missile sites. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hi there. I'm Randa Dirfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. In the 1950s and 60s, there were missiles based all over the Bay Area, not just in the Marin Headlands. There were batteries in Pacifica, Fremont, and San Rafael, to name a few. They were a last line of defense against an air attack during the Cold War. Firmly fixed to the launching rail, the Nike is moved into firing position. It is now hot, fueled, and ready for flight. 
To answer Chris's question, KQED science editor Craig Miller took him out to the Headlands missile site, known as SF-88. This is the sound of a Nike Hercules surface-to-air missile rising ominously on a huge elevator from its bunker. They weren't buried in vertical silos like we think of land-based missiles today, but they were laid out horizontally in underground magazines known as the pit. Okay, come on down, come on in. Jerry Fight is an Air Force missile veteran who now gives tours of the Headland site, the only restored Nike battery left in the U.S. He gathers the group in between two Hercules missiles, each about the length of a school bus, but much more sleek, of course. They look kind of like lawn darts on steroids. You've just walked into the magazine for the Nike Hercules now. This is a two-stage missile. The missiles are essentially shells now, but until the 1970s, carried nuclear warheads with a maximum yield of 40, even 60 kilotons. A kiloton is the energy force of a thousand tons of dynamite. A lot of people think we exaggerate destruction and stuff like that, but it was not an exaggeration. The nuclear warheads on the Nike were variable yield. That means crews could literally dial up the size of the detonation. At, say, 40 kilotons, the young soldiers at SF-88 could, with a single missile, unleash atomic force greater than the bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki combined. Some people think that's kind of a bit overkill. But if we had to fire, effectively, you're already in World War III because the Navy and the Air Force hadn't been able to bring them down. The target had been identified, and we're going to war. But it was nice duty. It wasn't bad duty. Dave Kreutzinger was stationed here from 1967 to 69. I came here when I was 18. By the time he was 19, he was the launch officer. But every crewman, the oldest guy out here was 28. Most of us were 19. Their job was to shoot down incoming Soviet bombers, probably whole squadrons of them. That was the perceived threat when the Nikes were rolled out in the mid-50s. By the time Dave was here, the primary threat had shifted to ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missiles. Radar here in the headlands still swept the skies for 150 miles out, looking for incoming missiles or Russian bear bombers carrying thermonuclear weapons something that Dave and his crew kind of took for granted. Actually, you didn't think about it very much. We knew the responsibility of it, but you practice and practice and practice, and there's a lot of testing involved to be sure that you have the mental ability to launch this weapon. Of course, by the time that happened, the U.S. would already be facing a nuclear attack from those incoming planes. So. Launching would essentially mean the apocalypse was underway. We kind of knew, but not, it wasn't on the top of our minds that this was pretty much the end. It wasn't something you thought about all the time. But in the middle of the last century, nuclear annihilation was something that people did think about a lot. You are the target of those who would trample the liberties of free men. This discomforting civil defense film from the 1950s was entitled Target You. You are in the crosshairs of the bomb site. An enemy is centering on you. And in the mindset of the Cold War, with the Bay Area's extensive naval presence, that might well have been true. 
Our president has told us that even against the most powerful defense, an aggressor in possession of an effective number of atomic bombs could cause hideous damage. The Army cohort of 120 or so crewing the Nike battery had one primary mission, to try to stop that from happening, a mission that gave rise to the charming motto, if it flies, it dies. But the Nike crews also knew that launching one of their supersonic spears in anger would likely be their last living acts. You'll recall that when we took out Baghdad, what did we do first? Shock and awe. We took out their communications, we took out their defensive systems, and we took out their fighter aircraft. In order to take out the, the defensive system of the San Francisco Bay Area, what do you have to take out first? The 11 Nike Hercules sites that are around the bay. The Army didn't mince around this fact. They told Dave and his fellow missilemen flat out what their life expectancy would be after an actual launch. 30 minutes. That was kind of the thing that every crewman knew. And since Dave is still around to talk to us, that pretty well answers another question that Chris had. Were any of these missiles ever launched? Thankfully, no. What you're hearing is from a training exercise in New Mexico, though the crews were called to battle stations with regularity. The site was finally decommissioned in 1974, and the Park Service took it over. But Chris had one last shudder in store for him, holding the actual launch keys from those days in his own hand. Feel a little weird having those? Uh, uh, like, if you were had those in your hand, it was of, of that era. You could have been sin, being part of sending the world to world destruction. So no, no pressure. No, no pressure. No, no pressure, pressure whatsoever. As more and more Nike sites are constructed across the country, the defense net is drawn tighter, making America safer for you and your family to live and prosper in peace. That was KQED Science Editor Craig Miller, who has retired since we first aired this story. Thanks to Chris Johansson for asking this week's question. You can check out the Headlands Missile Site SF-88 on Saturday afternoons, even during the COVID-19 pandemic, but currently there are no tours. This show runs on your questions. Tell us what you want to know. Visit baycurious.org and leave your question in the box at the top of the page. While you're there, you can cast your ballot in our April voting round. Bay Curious is produced by Katie McMurrin, Susie Racho, and me, Katrina Schwartz. Our show is made in San Francisco at member-supported KQED. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? 
Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.